Galatians chapter 2, and this has been turning into a long series. We've only preached about six messages from this series on Galatians and this, this uh, Living in Liberty series of messages here. We preached about three or four messages on Galatians 1, and then we've preached, this is our third message on Galatians 2. Uh, we've talked about Galatians 1 being born free, and uh, there's only one gospel that saves, of course, and it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, plus nothing, and uh, minus nothing. And then, of course, Galatians chapter 2, uh, we introduced this title, or rather the title of this chapter is Freedom's Fight. And we've actually had, this is actually our third attempt to try to get through, uh, I don't think we're going to make the whole chapter tonight here, but that's okay. Good meaty material here tonight here. And uh, as I'd like to begin the reading verse number one for, for time's sake. We're going to begin in verse number six. And uh, I'd like to read to, to verse 21. Again, we're going to cut things short for time's sake. We'll go to verse number 12 or so. So verse number six, I'll let you remain seated tonight, but follow along carefully as I read. But of these who seem to be somewhat, Paul says, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, and we'll explain this in some heavy-duty reading here, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, well, let's just say it right now, Paul, remember, he's the gospel, he's the, the, was the, the apostle to the Gentiles. And Peter was the apostle to the, to the Jews. And then it says, verse number eight, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, or to the Jews, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars in the church, that is, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto uh, the circumcision. And of course, this is in reference to the Acts 15 Jerusalem Council that we've referenced several times. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same alls which I also was forward to do, or more than willing and ready to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Paul stood up to Peter and said, he withstood him to the face. And he gives an impetus for the title of our series here, this, 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 this chapter rather, Freedom's Fight. For verse number 12, for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not, according, upright, not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? We who are Jews by nature are and, and not sinners of the Gentiles. And then we'll, we'll skip, we'll stop there for time's sake here tonight here. But we want to look tonight, and I just want to spend five minutes in review. I've got the first uh, fill in the blanks filled in for you. Um, and let's get, let's see, one, two, three, four. We didn't pass out verses. One, two, three, four, five, six. 
Six verse, 6, I need six hands for six verses here. Let's go and get ready to read these verses so we don't have to waste any more, more time. First Corinthians 6, 7, who has that for us? Quickly, give me a hand. Okay, thank you in the back, Betty. First Corinthians 6, 7. First Peter 2, 19 and 20, uh, who has that for us? So Tim. And First Corinthians 8, 13, somebody quickly. Marge, thank you. Uh, how about, let's go down to Acts 18, verse 18. 18, 18 of Acts. Quickly, somebody. Okay, thank you, Allison. And one more here. How about Hebrews 2.1? Hebrews 2.1. Give me a Hebrews 2.1 person. Okay, thank you, Paul. All right, when we get to those verses, if you read those, I'd appreciate it. Uh, let's just spend three minutes in review, and we'll try to press forward from where we've been. Uh, we looked at the, the, the first of three progressive steps in freedom's fight. First of all, we saw the confrontation and, uh, in verses 1 and the first part of verse 2. And what we learned from the confrontation, some things need to be confronted, and leaders need to stand up and do what's right. Sometimes you've got to take a stand. Sometimes you have to stand up, and even if it's con- confrontational. I've said it many times, most of you that have been under my pastor for any length of time know that I'm not a confrontational type person. I avoid confrontation if I can help it. But uh, sometimes you need to confront things. And Paul realized this, this issue of mixing works with grace needed to be confronted head on. And the Bible says in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, brethren, if you see a man overtaken in the fall, you which are spiritual, restore such an one and in the spirit of meekness, considering the selfless I'll also be tempted. Then we looked at the consultation and we learned a couple of different things from that. The verse number two, we won't bother reading it for time's sake, but after having received, we see in the verse number two, the word revelation that um, he, Paul received his revelation of the gospel divinely from Jesus Christ himself, not from the apostles, not from the church of uh, uh, Jerusalem. <clears throat> you know, many people join our church over the years, they join our church not because they say, well, this is what Harvest Baptist Church believes, but rather they were, they were revealed the truth from the Holy Spirit of God by reading the Word of God, and they said, well, that, that, their church in lines with what I've already figured out, the revelation that the Holy Spirit of God gave me uh, through His Word. And so Paul got this revelation of the gospel through none other than Christ Himself. And then he said, in fact, it's kind of a complicated verse, so let's read the last half of verse 2. He says... Uh, that the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. When Paul went to the Jerusalem council, he uh, go to the second bullet point, astutely deferring to engage first those of reputation or those of maturity as opposed to those with immaturity. And uh, I'll just paraphrase the verse, Matthew 7, 6, the Lord says, cast not your pearls to swine. There's some things of spiritual nature that you don't talk to about with unsaved people or carnal Christians. They're not going to get it. Not that carnal Christians fall into the swine category, but unsaved people, they certainly do. They do not understand the, the deep things of the Word of God, let alone the, the shallow things of the Word of God, let alone the deep things. Paul said, no, I don't want to engage the whole crowd because it'll just turn into mobocracy and it'll turn into craziness. He privately went to those of reputation, those of maturity. I'm talking to overall a mature crowd tonight. I don't know if I can say everybody here is mature in Christ. I'd like to say that, but you know where you're at spiritually speaking, and you may be somewhere you fall in either mature or immature or spiritual or carnal or a variation thereof. But then number three, we looked at the conflagration. This is where we, we ended last night, or rather three weeks ago, last time we had this series of lessons or the contest, two weeks ago I guess it was, 
Sometimes there are issues worth fighting for. Sometimes things are not. There are some things worth fighting for. Fighting for the pure gospel of Christ, that's worth fighting for. But some things are not worth fighting for. We've got to learn what's, what's, where to pick our battles at. And there's some things, there's major doctrines of the word of God that we need to stand firmly on and not sway. And then there's some minor doctrines and there's some minor preferences and so forth that we, we have to back off. Who has 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 6, 7 for us? Now that's a chapter about Christians taking other Christians to court. And the Bible says, Paul says, Don't, why would you do that? How shame on you. Just suffer the wrong. Let it go. Live with it. D- deal with it. And, uh, don't, go to, don't broadcast your contempt or your disagreement. It's, just, it's not worth fighting for. Just, just I say I give. Surrender. It's okay. First Peter 2, 19 and 20. I wish we had time to deal with any of these verses, but who has those, those verses? First All right, there's some things that just, you know, just take it on the chin. If you're, if you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake, the Bible says, happy are ye. There's some things that are not worth fighting for. In fact, it's worse to fight. Just, just roll up the, red, the white flag and just surrender. It's okay. In fact, Paul said it this way in regards to questionable things, 1 Corinthians 8, 13. There were certain things that Paul knew he, could, he was, had perfect, perfect liberty to do, but he chose not to do it because he didn't want to be offensive and it wasn't worth making a fight over the issue. And uh, we have to, I say, we all have our individual soul liberties, but there are certain things like in our church that, that we ask when we come together as a corporate body, certain things, that, certain isms of Harvest Baptist Church and of Marty Schott and of, of uh, our, our you know, body politic, our chemistry that we have in our church, that uh, I've given an illustration many times. Uh, Miss Jessie Holsey, many years ago, going back to the ancient days of our church, Betty would remember, and, and maybe that's about it, or you know, a few, Roxanne would remember as well. But, but uh, Miss Betty, or rather, uh, uh, Miss Jessie Holsey never bought on Sunday. Well, I learned after a short period of time that don't stop at the store or the gas station on Sunday to buy my gas. So I better wait because I don't want to be offensive to Miss Jessie. And uh, I, I could have bought my gas or could have bought whatever I wanted, but I wasn't going to be offensive. Some things are not worth fighting for. Well, let's move on here for time's sake. Uh, we're learning about this. This whole book is a treatise on the, the Magna Carta of Christian liberty, of the liberty that we have in Christ and that the fact that salvation is all by grace alone. And so and the gospel can't be added to or subtracted to. So additions, bullet point number two underneath Roman numeral three, additions to the gospel are subtractions from it. When we, back to Galatians 1, 6, and 7, when we add to the gospel something that's, we're really subtracting from it, we're really perverting it. And I am saved by Christ. I can just end it right there. Sometimes we addend it, we, we put an addend, uh, what's the word? 
I am saved by Christ alone. Christ only. Salvation is Christ. In these, these verses, this whole book, treatise, this book of Galatians, deals with this subject. I'm in Christ. I'm saved. I've been born again. I'm blood bought, blood washed, and he did it all. Where's my salvation? Not in my works. It's all in Christ alone. And I know I'm preaching to the proverbial choir for the second time tonight, but I want you to know I, I see it happen all the time. We have people come in our church services. They don't get this. They've been taught a different school all their whole life, a different ism all their life of, of perverting and adding to the gospel of Christ, in which case they're really subtracting from it. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that here in a minute. Bullet point number three, legalism is adding... Pure legalism is adding to the finished work of Christ in order to be saved. There's a secondary form of legalism, which many times churches like our church, and I've been accused of many times in my life, and I'm, I'm sure I've been guilty of it even in my own life, and it's, it's hard to see your own, your own problems, your own sin, your own blind spots. It's easy to see it in others. It's hard to see it in yourself, right? But anyhow... Uh, legalism is adding to the finished work of Christ in order to be saved or in order to prove your salvation. Well, I got to do certain things in order to prove my salvation, to demonstrate that I really am saved. I'll give you some examples, and there's many actually, but just letter A and B, letter A, first of all, underneath this so you understand. Ways that we prove our salvation by outward conformity. By outward conformity. I got to be careful here, and I don't want to be derogatory, especially on the message of uh, talking about grace and liberty. But there's a, I've been trying to watch some local churches and their, their, their Sunday broadcast, you know, some of them broadcast, a lot of several churches broadcast. And I was watching one just recently here. In fact, it was Sunday, I'll be honest with you. And the preacher, I know he's a believer in Christ. I've met him. I, he's, he loves the Lord. I don't doubt that. Uh, he's preaching in his blue jeans. He's preaching uh, open collar like I am tonight. He's, uh, he's kind of probably showing his tattoos. And, you know, you say, oh, he's, don't, I don't want you to go out. I'm just simply saying. And then he's got a whole different mock-up in his, the whole church and everything. It's very different in our church. And thank you for no amens. I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm just saying, but I look at that and I say, he's, and I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting to letter B and we're only on letter A. I'll come back to this in a minute here. But uh, there's something about outward conformity. Let me finish this thought before I finish what I was starting to say here just seconds ago. Um, how do we prove our salvation, such as being baptized? Baptism, the first fill-in-the-blank word. I was just talking recently, and this happens fairly regularly. I asked a certain somebody, you know, are they sure they received Christ as Savior? And they, they said, well, yes, I was baptized when I was... I, I wanted to say, time out. I don't care you were baptized. It doesn't... You know, baptized by immersion. Good for you. How many times have you put your water or your head underneath the water in your lifetime, you know? I mean, can you be baptized at the YMCA swimming pool? And I mean, just people think they, they, they confuse salvation. Well, of course I'm saved. I was baptized. And then here's, here's another one I've got just recently, too. 
I, there's confirmation. Now, I could spend the rest of the message right here, but let me just belabor the point a little bit. I just, just very recently, I was confronted with this. There are many churches that are covenant theology mindset, and you know when they get to be 12 or 13 years old, a child, they are confirmed. After they go through a number of classes, they go through catechism, they go through, and then they, they are, they are, maybe they cite the Apostles' Creed. They, they say that they confess that they believe certain things. I know many people, I'm afraid there could be millions of people that confuse salvation with the, well, I, I believe the creed. Do you know that the devil himself believes? I believe the devil, I don't believe, I, I really absolutely don't have any proof from Scripture. The devil knows that, believes in the Trinity. He knows that. He knows that there's a God in heaven. He's got an answer to him all the time. We, 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 Pastor Parmer was telling us about Job. Thou believest there's one God, thou doest well. Oh, by the way, the devil's believing also in tremble. Just because you can recite the Apostles' Creed at 12 years of age or 13 years of age, and say, I believe that. The Bible says, for the mouth, or the heart man believes unrighteousness, for the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Uh, Paul, let me pick on you because I'm allowed to pick on you. You know, when you and Betty got married, you didn't get married until you loved her long before you got married, I'm sure. And you said, I love you. Until you went to that altar and you said those words, I do, you weren't. <laughs> right? That's when Paul and Betty got married. Punctuation. And I, mean, I know I'm getting very elementary, but I'm trying to drive the point home. The Bible says, for whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You don't get saved by just mental assent by over a period of time. You, you say, well, I, I believe these things. I've always been a Christian. You really have. Have you always been born? You're always, uh, Rebecca, I'll pick on Rebecca or Esther. Uh, Esther, pardon me, Rebecca, I'll pick on both of you. Were you always, always been? You've always been, right? No, you haven't always been. You've got a birth date. There's a birth date for salvation, and so... Uh, I, I get frustrated because I've dealt with these just recent weeks and months where people, well, yes, I'm a believer. I got baptized in a Baptist church even. Therefore, I'm good. Really. That's what gets you to heaven is getting baptized. We might as well be Church of Christ. No, baptism, that's not, I got baptized, but it had nothing, that water couldn't wash away my sin. I promise you, the water I got baptized in in New Line Baptist Church was not a clean water anyhow. But, uh, that's supposed to be a joke, but anyhow. Uh, uh, such baptism, confirmation, or a certain set of standards or performance. Oh, boy, I'm looking at that clock. I'm not getting too far tonight here. A certain set of outward standards or performance. And there's so many different things that tack on. And now, now that it goes back to, when I get to letter B, I had to look at this, my brother in Christ, this other church and this other pastor who's preaching regularly on Sunday morning, more dressed down than I am, and I had to be careful that I didn't get a critical attitude, like, look at that guy. I wish I could wear blue jeans on Sunday morning, <laughs> and uh, I'd be funny and funny with you. But he's got liberty. That's what he wants to do. That's fine with me. It should be fine with me. It's none of my business. I should pray for him and root for him. And when you start getting a bad attitude about a brother or a sister in Christ, start praying for him. Start asking God to, God to bless him. That's a good thing to do, by the way. 
But then, then, uh, then that leads me to letter B, the varying forms of legalism, where we prove our salvation by conformity. But here's this one. Now, this runs a little deeper here, and sometimes it's overlooked. But sometimes by our word nonconformity is the fill-in-the-blank word. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? There's another type of legalism that, hey, I'm free in Christ. Therefore, I can do anything I want to. Oh, you get to write the rules. You get to make your own rules any way you want to, or no rules if you want to. We're not under the law. There's a, there's a phrase that's called grace awakening. There's whole churches that fall under this, this, this anti-legalism mindset. Let me go drill, drill, drill a little bit deeper for you so you understand what I'm trying to say. The false belief that all spirituality is gauged internally. Now, that all, all spirituality is gauged internally. Man looketh on, uh, Samuel said about, uh, about Saul and David, of course, you know, man looketh on the outward appearance, but what? God looketh on the what? The heart. Anybody see anybody else's heart here in the... Uh, can you see anybody see the heart? You know, I've, I've seen real hearts. You know, Keith, Keith, my son-in-law. You know, I've seen real hearts on the table bouncing. You know, but uh, other than that, and I haven't seen. Nobody sees the heart, but we do see see the effects of the heart or the results of the heart, don't we? And I, I can tell. There's some people that I can see on their countenance. I think they had the spirit of God in them, on the outward appearance. But Christianity is an inward thing, isn't it? It's true. But let's, figure, let's finish the statement. The false belief that all spirituality is gauged internally and cannot be gauged externally. Well, let's consider some verses. Acts 16, 1 to 3. I had nobody turned there, but let me just... That's the passage where... Now, in our passage here in Galatians 2, Titus was compelled to be circumcised, and he said, No! I'm not going to be circumcised. I'm half Greek. I'm not going to be circumcised. Ain't going to happen. Pardon the slang. Timothy said, Paul, young Timothy, he was half Greek, half, half, half Jew, you know the story. And in Acts 16, 1 to 3, he consented to be circumcised. Now, who was right and who was wrong? Was Titus wrong because he didn't get circumcised and, and Timothy right because he did get circumcised? Or was he wrong because he didn't and, and, and other, conversely, Titus didn't? No! The answer is well, all in her liberty. But, but Timothy did it for reasons, as you read the context, he did it so he wouldn't be a stumbling block to others. Uh, let's read another verse here and make application. Uh, verse, uh, Acts 18, verse 18. Now, we see that Paul short, shaved his head because he had a vow. And if you study that verse, and, uh, a lot of theological dissertation on that verse, will, will Paul succumb to legalism, to Judaism? I don't believe that for a second. Paul wanted to become all things to all men that he might by all means gain some. There's some things you do to, in fact, you've heard the phrase, the next bullet point here, let's, finish, let's fill in the blanks here. When in Rome, what about it? Do as to what? Now, let me ask you a question. Is that biblical? Be careful. Is that biblical? 
When in Rome do as the Romans do. If I, I don't have a tie on tonight. I've been used to, I've been talking about this non-tie thing for the longest time. It's so different than what I was for, for 30, 30 years. I mean, I can't believe I'm in a pulpit on Wednesday night with no tie. And somebody say, preacher, it's about time you loosened up. No pun intended. Yeah, and, uh, you know, why, you know, now if I was going to a church, in fact, this happened a few months back, I went to a certain church on a, well, it was a preacher's conference, and I know how they dress. In fact, Pastor Gill and I went, and Pastor Carpenter and I went, we all went, and all the pastors were in suits and ties. I knew that going into it, so I wore a suit and tie. I went to another preacher's conference, and I already knew going into it that it was meant to be relaxed, and so I went and, uh, well, I didn't. I didn't get the memo, actually. I did go in suit and tie, and we were, in fact, it was Pastor Gill and I, we, went, we were the only two guys in suits and ties. Everybody else was casual. We fell out of place. You know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Is, do we have Bible context for that? Is there something, is it biblical? Well, the answer is yes. I believe we can have 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. In fact, let's turn there quickly. It's only 10 pages away from you. 1 Corinthians 9, let's all turn there. I didn't get far tonight here. We're not going to get too much farther. But anyhow, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. These are very important verses. By the way, you can start in verse 18. Paul says, I didn't charge you the gospel. I didn't charge you for preaching to your church at Corinth, your rich church at Corinth. I, now, I could have, but he says, I didn't. I didn't want to be offensive. He robbed other churches that he might minister to. He robbed the poor churches so he could minister to the rich churches. Another day, another subject, but it ties right into the, the, the context here. Paul had reason to say, you're going to pay for my journeys. He didn't do that. He said, for though, he's explaining verse 19, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Back in our text in Galatians chapter 2, Paul's going to say, in the, we're not going to get to the verses tonight, but he's going to say, listen, I don't hold this in I don't hold second seat. I don't hold a, uh, Paul, Cephas, or Peter. Don't, they don't have anything on me. Or rather, John, Cephas, or Peter, they have nothing on me. Paul says, listen, I, I'm as free in Christ. I'm as big a saint as there ever was in the history of man, in the history of Christianity, I promise you. Paul boasted, but he said, he said listen, I'm free from all men, but yet I'm not free from all men. I'm a debtor. He said three times in Romans, I'm a debtor to all men. He chose to be a debtor. Verse number uh, 20. Or oh, pardon me, I didn't finish 19. I made myself servant of all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I am become as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them which are under the law as under the law, that I may gain them which are under the law. To them which are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I, may all, that I might by all means gain some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. You know, I'll just stop, I'll pick on Spike and Agnes. They're not here tonight. They don't come much on Wednesday nights, as most of you know. But, you know, Spike and Agnes are going to be moving on us. And, and uh, I hate to lose them. They're, they're be moving to New York here this summer and so forth. And uh, I've really come to love and enjoy Spike and Agnes. And some of you know that, uh, you know, there was a day going back in the early days of our church that, you know, I was very hesitant ever having a guitar on even the stage on Sunday morning. Now, Sunday night was okay, but Sunday morning, that was taboo. 
And eventually I changed from that. And I says that I, and I got even brethren to this day that my, some of my preacher brothers said, you allow guitar on Sunday morning? Yeah, I do. And I, I used to not do that, but I do it in this autonomy and individual soul liberty. These passages are teaching us over and over in so many different ways. And, uh, but I've come to, to like it now. And, uh, but if I was going to another church and they, were, they didn't like certain things, so I, I wouldn't, and I knew they did certain things their way, I would, I would do it their way. Not that I was being hypocritical or compromised, but I don't want to be offensive. We never try to hurt and offend people. We try to do, if you, I, I like the illustration, just popped in my head, I'll give you this. You know, back when I was a young preacher, we had a Japanese family that came to our church for a little while. Did I tell you the story? I, I probably must have told you once a time 10 years ago. And so I came to their front door, and I had my shoes on, and they says, oh, please take your shoes off. And I says, oh, that, dummy me, I didn't know. I thought they were just being nice and wanted me to be comfortable. I said, oh, that's all right, no offense. You know. So I, I walk into their house, and, no, 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 please take your shoes off. And I think they're just trying to be nice to me. You know, like, uh, oh, that's okay, really, I don't mind. You know, and, and uh, I, I can't remember, I mean, now I look at you laughing, you know how, I realized I was offending, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was offending them. I wasn't trying to offend them. I just offended them ignorantly, naturally. You know, was, you know then I learned, no, that's, that's not right. You say, well, I, can, I like my shoes on. So tough. I don't care what you think. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be the right attitude, would it? That, would that be Christian? No, I don't think so. Why would we want to be offensive? Why would we want to hurt? And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And so we're not in the hurting business. Well, let's move forward here. I've gotten bogged down in these Let's see if we can trudge forward to point number four here. Verse number six here. So, well, let me, a few, 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 uh, the conflagration, the contest. We have to defend against legalism and it's in conformity. And it's all right to conform as long as we know that we're doing it because it's our preferences or that we're just trying to, we're not trying to be offensive. And there's times where it's all right to be non-conforming. And uh, I've given many of these illustrations before, but just one more pops in my head. I don't, now we have tape music. We used to never have tape music in our church, you know. And uh, we don't want any drums at all. I, I, went to, I went to India. Of course, that was 25, 27 years ago. I told you the story. I, I'm in this jungle church, and I get handed a bongo. I don't even know how to, I, I, I have no instruments. The only thing I can play is the radio, you know. And, uh, and, and and Larry Maxwell's like, you know, he's over there. He's trying to t- teach me how to, you know, I'm trying to stay with the little little uh, flute thing they had. And, and it's like, and they come over to people in this room. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm bongoing in church. I have no idea what I'm doing. It was embarrassing. But you know what? I was in India. I was a cow dung dirt floor. I didn't have a tie on, by the way, and the spiders were crawling right next to me. Big spiders, about that big. I still remember it. Like, don't, don't move. Just, just stay right there. I could. Well, I was in India, different world. Oh, I could tell you a story. I, it, I shouldn't end on. I, I can't tell you. I don't know if I ever tell you this story. It's, it's, I just, did I ever tell you a story? We came around. No joke. I'm going to end with a story. This just popped in my head. This is, I, you can't make this stuff up. We were in India, the same church that I just told you about, I'm at, and we we're playing the bongos. How did we get to that church? Well, we drove by cab. We got about two miles from the church, and then we had to walk. 
And then only motorcycles could go up this pathway that they had up this mountain church village in the jungle. And then it got to the point where motorcycles couldn't even go. The only place to get to this church was by foot. And we walked up, come up to this church, and I mean, we are like back, we're back like 2,000 years ago. I'm not joking. I'm not joking one bit. We go to this grass hut, and there were all these, pardon me, brown faces, black faces. We were the only white, six white guys there. And we, we walked around the corner, and all these kids, hundreds of them, where'd they come from? They were all coming from the jungles. It was amazing, just astounding to watch. We turned the corner. I, just, I don't know why I tell you the story. It's just, I got to tell you. What. I turned the corner, and here's this guy. He's got, there's a pot on an open fire, straight out of like the, the television show, It's About Time, if you remember. I'm really dating myself. It's going back six years now. But there's this big pot, and he's got a stick with a half coconut tied to it with bamboo string, and he's, he's stirring this brown porridge. He has on, I kid you not, he's about 50 years old, 60 years old, going on 95 He's got one tooth. He's got a loincloth on. This is all he's got. He's got a loincloth about this, 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 this a loincloth. He's sitting there stirring. This is dinner for us. They come around the corner. And he's, he's right there. I mean, he's closer to me than Jim is right now. And he's stirring the, the pot. And it's like, ah, this is dinner. And uh, they threw down a banana leaf on the, on the, on the so-called table. And then they took that ladle and just slopped this porridge on there and with our right hand I'm a left hander there's no spoons there we just ate and the moment the, the, the palm leaf got almost done it was all they could do to eat it down they just throw it on another one no 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 when in India do as the Indians do amen uh, how did I get off on that rabbit trail that, there's some type of application there somewhere, somewhere, somewhere there's an application I'm sure well, now it's 8 o'clock. What a way to end the message here. Let's uh, thank God for the liberty we have in Christ. <laughs> Amen. So let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I think it's all right to have a good time in your house from time to time, Lord. In fact, it might be good to have a good time all the time. Lord, sometimes you say that we, we, we should be convicted and mourn and weep for our sins. And other times, Lord, we should rejoice and be happy and be blessed, Lord. We want, just want to walk like our Savior walked, like you walked, Lord Jesus. We want to live like you live. We know that salvation is full and free in Christ. Paul was free from all men, but he made himself servant of all. Lord, help us to be about your business, we pray, and help us to be humbled enough to walk humbly. Uh, may we conform when we need to conform, when we should conform, and we, may we be nonconformists when we should not conform, but Lord, may we never be offensive. May we love the brethren, we pray. Lord, have your will and way, and Lord, uh, dismiss us thy blessing tonight, we pray, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing a verse of, uh, how about, can we do trust and obey for this?